Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast, where I'm joined by my wife, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. In these episodes, Stephanie and I will unpack the different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters. We believe that today, more than any time before, we're living through the most impactful events in history, changes in the world that are leading to rising confusion, uncertainty, and ultimately fear. For those who are awake, your view of your world is the filter for how you will experience the evolution and changing dynamics of it. Whether it's the growing social and political divisiveness, the need to pivot in business or career, or shifting family dynamics, very few know how to deal with or manage what is unfolding before them. Whatever you're experiencing in your world, Stephanie and I have deeper conversations about mental, emotional, and spiritual health that provide a context for the living that we hope inspires you to ask different questions and has you check in to ask yourself the hard questions. Like, is the path you're on the best path for your journey? Are you still clear on your intended destination or has it changed? Our vision is to provide you ideas and tools that you can apply in your life that you can use to take steps in your evolution of being your greatest self and living your best life. Listen in, enjoy. Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters. Stephanie? Hey, hon. So we've got a cool topic that you wanted to talk about. You brought it up, and I'm really excited about it as I kind of thought about it and thought it through and did a little extra research on it. And the topic is judgment. And that's a huge topic, by the it way. It is. We're going to have to really spend some time digging into it. Okay, we'll unpack a little bit of it. So... Tell me why, from your perspective, why you said, let's talk about judgment. You think it's getting in people's way and that we can maybe shift perspective and shift perspective of judgment. And by showing people how that thought of judgment can get in your way. Or it can help you develop resilience. Yes. You know, adversity and moving through things and falling down and getting back up again. In my world um, of ice dance and figure skating, it's a judge sport. So the athletes are training themselves to put themselves out there, show everything they have, work their butts off, and then be judged. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's an unbelievable process that they have to go through in order to, especially if some of them have had have a lot of self talk, a lot of fears, a, um, a lot of um, anxiety when it comes to being seen. They're being judged on their on their aesthetic, their body, their program, their strength. Their I call ice dance a spart, you know, because it's a sport and an art, and you're being judged on both. And because of that, what rings true for me is that I'm starting to see where the athletes, and not just the athletes, but people in general, will stop in making decisions and move their lives forward because of a fear of judgment. Yeah. When we look at this particular topic, you have that part of the conversation where, you know, we are always judging something, you know, it's just in our brains, you're assessing things, you're judging people, could be the color, could be their weight, could be their looks in your values. We're judging things. Constantly. But constantly. constantly. So 
it's, it's something we can't help. It's actually part of the process of being human is that judging what's going on in order to make decisions, for example. And where you fit in the in the spectrum, so to speak, and, you know, comparing. Comparing is also a little bit like judgment. Self-judgment has a lot to do with where do I stand in terms of this other person and the hierarchy. So back again to sport is that there's a hierarchy that happens and, and you there's a belief system that you can't beat the hierarchy. You can't bust the hierarchy. Who's ever in first is going to be in first until they retire and who's ever in second. And that is a judgment on personality. It's judgment on history, on politics, but it's not true. And that's what I really wanted to unpack when it came to the judgment conversation is why do we decide that certain judgments, whether it's external or internal, are true? Well, it's funny you should mention that. So that's exactly what I want to talk about today. And it's less about us judging what's going on out there. It's having an awareness of how feeling or thinking we're being judged limits us. So I want to kind of unpack this a little bit as I did my research into it, because we've often, you know, there isn't anybody that's not at the effect of feeling judged or a judging. But let's talk about this whole judgment kind of thing. So I didn't know this, but the research shows that babies only have two fears. Okay. And this is by the way, we'll walk through this and get to why it's all about judgment. Okay. So babies have two fears, apparently. And the primary fears are of being dropped. I, and, I'm afraid of that. I was afraid of that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that you remember. I probably did happen yeah. to me. Uh, and of loud noises. That's all they're yeah, afraid of. that makes sense. I mean, let's face it. If we let babies onto their own, they'd be crashing downstairs. They'd be putting their heads inside, you know, vicious dogs' mouths. Like, they'd be doing a lot of things that... Because well, they don't know. They don't know. They don't have any fear. So what happens is, is over time, our fears as adults, or as adults yeah, are based on judgments. Okay. The judgments of our caregivers. And then as we grow older and we go out on our own, that slow and kind of sometimes constant drip of judgment from those outside of us. Mm -hmm. And the experiences that we put ourselves in and not knowingly and maybe feeling judged or being judged or having a lot of self-judgment, which allows, you know, certain things to not occur in your life, L you know? Well, again, you know, we go back to, let's think about, you know, the baby that really has two basic fears and they don't really have a fear of judgment. You know, their snotty nose, their, you know, their roles, their toes and all the things make him giggle when <laughs> yeah. we kind of tell him how funny it is or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever that might be. They don't know that that's, uh, you know, when you're old, you're going to be called fat and don't, you know, don't pick your nose. So along the way, however, we learn these things through uh, our upbringing and then through our life experience. And they become those kind of quiet fears that can grow within us from being judged. And, you know, when we look at that negative judgment that we might feel, you know, we have to look at it and say, we, we assess it. So we then put ourselves in situations where we're not going to be judged or where we feel safe or where we're not going to risk having a negative judgment against us. But it's along the way that we have these kind of experiences, for example, I don't know, maybe somebody goes on a date, they get rejected, they go for a job interview, now you So they take action and they get feedback that they're perceiving as negative rejection or on how hurtful the that judgment can be. Exactly. And, and it maybe does hurt them for all the reasons that it hurts them. 
right? And so these are these external fears that we have. Maybe you were raised, uh, you know, for fear of cats or dogs or fear of water. And not because you necessarily had an experience. Maybe as a child growing up, you know, your parents had a bad experience and they're going, don't go near that dog because dogs bite, you know, whatever you do. And it's interesting, for example, you know, we were kind of over, you know, since we've had our dogs, we've got two Bernese mountain dogs and, you know, they're big and, and, but, loud and loud sometimes, but the point is, is that if you know dogs, when you see that breed, the last thing you are is afraid of them. Yet we have experiences for sure, where I mean, we have somebody that comes to deliver something in our yard, an Amazon driver, and they won't even get out of their car. No, they're terrified. Yet these two dogs are there, way, wagging their tail Wanting with the burner smile, and we can't understand it. Yet we under, and we one hundred percent trust our dogs. I mean, I. I'd put it with a baby and not worry about what those dogs might do, like with no they concern. Kiss it to death. Kiss it to death, like <laughs> it, yes. But the point of this is that we create these internal fears and and it's because of judgment. And it could be heights, it can be water, you know, literally people that can't go past their ankles or their knees in the water. They're and maybe so they've fear. had a legitimate experience. I know when I was a kid, um, I was in the middle of the pool in Radium Hot Springs, almost drowning. And my dad went and grabbed me by the scruff and pulled me out to the side and brushed me off, towed me off, and then threw me back in the pool. 100%. I had a, a very similar experience where I literally nearly drowned and some young man happened to see me drowning and pulled me off the bottom of this giant place. But anyways, you know, and then, and then I, I, maybe I was just too stupid to be afraid because I got <laughs> right back up and kept going. And so, but the point is that we have a lot of these fears because often of other people's judgment. Somebody who says they've had an experience, don't do this, don't do that, that, you know, dogs bite, cats scratch, uh, water you can drown in if roads are slippery, you're going to crash for sure, you can die. So there's all sorts of these little, I guess, fears that we, external fears that we have for sure, and then the internal fears of being judged, you know, so for example, Imagine public speaking, and I certainly get this, you get this, because we all started our public speaking journey many years ago, and it's hard. It is said, I don't know this to be true, but of course it's said that the only thing that people fear more than death is Public speaking. Public speaking. Yeah. And why is that fear there? Because of exposure. Well, exposure. And judgment. And judgment. Yeah. Right? Judgment. They're afraid. I remember saying once, you know, I was so committed to a talk that we were doing, I think it was for Rain, and I was up on stage and I was I was not really into the public speaking zone. I was still really into the coaching and wanted to stand up there and I knew I had a message. And I remember standing up there and looking at the crowd and realizing that half of them aren't even going to hear what I have to say. So what am I really afraid of? You know, you know what I was afraid of? That that 10% or 20% of people that weren't going to like me. 100%. And this is so important as you listen to this, consider what you have for fears and whether it be public speaking or in the social media world. Oh I mean, my gosh. gosh, you put it out there and the trolls and the judgment, it's you know, you got to be pretty brave to do that these days. You really have to have that thick skin that doesn't care. Now, having said all of that, as a matter of fact, I know social media people who have huge followings and they kind of giggle about the trolls. They like, they kind of <laughs> like it, you know, and they have absolutely zero yeah, attachment. anything around it is they kind of giggle about it, right? Because they're, they're committed to their values and their message. And that's what I really like about the people that are willing to take a stand for what it is that they believe. I know I'll look at a couple negative comments on, on certain things and I'll attach to that. And then I realize is that A, that person doesn't know me. 
They don't know our values. They don't know what our intention is. And they have the right to their opinion. Their their opinion is totally none of my business. Well, think about that and, you know, ask ourselves, why does it matter that somebody else judges us? You know, inclusion, human, that's a human trait, isn't well, it? Well, I, I don't know, uh, because as much as we think that is the case, there are many who have no attachment to it and go on to do really, really cool things. So as we assess our fears, are they grown from other people's fears of stuff, their assessment, their judgments of situations? Passed on fears, because I, you know, when we were talking about this before, is like, how do I have a friend that's terrified of snakes. How did she become terrified of snakes? Was it because she heard about snakes or this way, or did she have an experience or, but what happened when I was carrying a snake and she was, she was in the same room, she, she freaked out. Yeah. She had a meltdown and she was so angry at me. And I didn't know she had, was terrified of snakes. I was just breaking my own fear of snakes. And I thought by carrying one or holding one and petting one and, and being in the same room as one, because my friend's um, son had one in the, in his basement in an aquarium. So I was using it to bust my fear or, or I wanted to enter that. And I just remember that moment, two completely different ways of being when it came to a snake who didn't care if I was afraid of it or not, or if she was afraid. But what it did was it, it paralyzed her. We couldn't, we didn't talk for the rest of the trip. Um, she, I don't think she's even spoken to me since because I was holding a snake. Yeah. And that's how irrational things can get. And, but it was real for her. Oh, of course. Of course, it, it, but, but it's even for her, if she was to step back from it, it's, you know, I know a couple people that are so afraid of mice, like off the charts afraid. Within that fear lives their, they have disease, they bite, they'll run up your leg, they'll destroy you. Like they have a story around it and we don't know where it evolved to and par probably at some point, somebody told them a story and then that story in their brain gets bigger. Or they're just and, little and fidgety and yeah. they freak people out. Like, we don't know. And when we see, like, we talked last time about re reacting or responding. And I think to judgment, whether it's self-judgment, external judgment, what's happening, it's being used again to divide people. If you do this, you will be included. If you don't do that, you will be alone and you're going to die. Yeah. So it takes it all the way down to the fear of dying. And being alone or being excluded or being making and then having judgment be okay on a mass level. That's what we're going through, I think, right now over the last couple of years is the, the judgment. People are so afraid of dying that they're actually more afraid of judgment of other people than they are afraid of dying. So, but fear of death and our ego's fear of death is one of the biggest fears that we have. Well, our ego's fear of death, but let's not go down that path today. So I want to keep but this... But it's still about judgment and fear. I get it. So as we go through this conversation, you know, we say, well, why are we having this conversation? Because I don't, and I know I'm guilty of this, I actually don't take enough time to get underneath the fear. Mm. So I have those moments in time. I think about, you know, 25-ish years ago when I started public speaking, just how freaked out I was by it, how afraid I was, and what it took to bust through that fear. And each time, now, if I wouldn't have broke through that fear, it would have changed the trajectory of my Oh, totally. Career path, my business path. It would have, I mean, I would be in a way different 
place. Not that it would be worse or better, I don't know, but the point is, is that think about that one fear that I bust through, in this case called public speaking, but it could be many things. It could be the fear of going and having a conversation with your boss and demanding that you do something more or that you he allow or she allow you to tap into a different set of skills or that you take on this project. Those fears take away opportunities, which is what I want to mm, really get zing. to. Okay? Say that again. Well, fears Fear? can actually, uh, let, me ref let me phrase it in a way that is, I want it to be impactful. Fears kill opportunity. They do. Yeah, and if you're more committed to your fear than your values or your opportunity, then you know, it's really difficult to help people get to their goals if they're more committed to their fears. Well, and that's the thing about it. And understanding that every time you bust through a fear, you grow. And that's so important. And I, and I joke about it all the time where I use it as an example probably too often. But, you know, you go to the gym and it's the fear of doing extra weight. It's going to hurt. I'm not going to be able to pull it off. But ultimately, when you bust, there's a, an underlying fear there, whether it be ego or maybe a fear of injury. It can be that extreme. But the point is that if you bust through that fear and you actually succeed at it, guess what you've done? You've grown. And so we use public, uh, we use public speaking as an example, but it could also be uh, speaking, even speaking your mind in a business situation with a group of people at a workshop or a seminar. You know, often when we worked with live crowds, one of the, my favorite things to do was have somebody answer a question or have people stand up and participate. And I would literally stand in the room of 400 people and go, I'm, really comfortable standing in silence. Right. And that made people really, <laughs> really uncomfortable. uncomfortable. And then ultimately somebody would be willing to get out of their comfort zone and stand up and do that. Now, what was powerful about those exercises was that everybody got to see that that person didn't melt down. They got through it. They stuttered their way through it, but now they had the experience and they grew from that. Okay. So, that's a, a lot about fear, a lot about judgment of others, of situations or yeah. your story that you're telling yourself about how you're being judged. Yeah, there's that quote, I think it's attributed to Eleanor Roosevelt. And she said, if you really actually knew how little people thought about you, you'd be surprised. Yeah. Something like that. People don't well, really think about you as much as we think we do. Well, they let's do. talk. Okay. So that's perfect segue into what I want to talk about because... There is a thing called, I'm going to call it nice guy syndrome, and we'll work through that. Because what happens is that we operate on top of fear, and as you know, business people or career-driven individuals, uh, whatever that might be, entrepreneurs, we have to consider what, how fears limit us. Okay, so in the nice guy syndrome, we've all probably, maybe we've all experienced this ourselves, like we've been that person, or we've seen that person, which is they're timid. Mm. Okay, so they're in a room and they're with two, five, seven other people, and they're having a conversation, a discussion, but they don't say anything. The timid guy. The timid guy, the timid person. Yeah. Okay, they hear it. They may even actually go and do what's required and they execute, but they're not really participating. They're just too timid. They're afraid of saying something wrong or being wrong or asking a stupid question or that's a dumb, oh, I, I'll never ask that question. Oh, that's just stupid. These people are way smarter than me. Way smarter than me, right? 
in that scenario, of course, how do you go through life or business being timid? Very difficult because opportunities are coming and they're going. And because you're not willing to engage in those conversations, you may not understand the opportunity. You may just let the opportunity go and you have all sorts of stories. And by the way, folks, you'll know because you're justifying why you shouldn't say something something. or step in. Okay. And ask yourself, what is the conversation I'm having with myself? Yeah. Or why am I here? I mean, if you're, I don't see timid people as being nice people. You know, sometimes I, my personality style is I would actually probably not even notice them. But this isn't about you. This is about the person who's timid and why they're timid. Gotcha. And they're timid because they're, they're, they have a fear of judgment from others and it creates that. Got it. Okay. So let's work through this, what I'll call nice guy syndrome. Then there's the confident individual. Sounds good, right? Oh, geez, he's really confident, but he's confidently quiet. It's not that he doesn't participate or she, but they don't ask questions. They certainly wouldn't argue a point and they don't really engage. They know what they know. They're confident in what they know. How do you know, though, that that person is confident and not timid if they are still got the same qualities? I'm not judging that person in the room. What I'm describing for, for, for you listening okay, got it. is, so are you this person? Are you person? this person? Got it. Okay. And now I'm with you. Okay. You're with me now? Yep. Okay. So think about how you're showing up in that room. And are you suffering from nice guy syndrome or nice person syndrome? Yeah. I want to be liked. I want to be liked. No, 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 I don't because I don't really like people. So <laughs> I can exude confidence like that sure. person. You're exuding yeah. confidence. You know what you're doing. You do a great job. You do all of the things that you need to do and you say nice things to people and you go into those meetings and it's all cool, right? Then there's what the next part of that cycle or that next layer, which is rational confidence. Okay. Not only are you confident and you can say something, but then if somebody pushes back a little bit, you go, okay, no, that makes sense. Okay. So it's not really a discussion per se. It's a rationalization. It's a rationalization. So you can basically see all sides in a sense. Exactly. And not really make a commitment or a decision anyway. That's one of my annoying gifts is I can see all sides and (laughs) I can tell you it is paralyzing and it's a curse. It has to be, uh, I've had many draw it to my attention, take a stand, okay? (laughs) But it's so rational. No, I can see, I can totally see why they did that. And I can see why they didn't. Right? So, but I have the awareness of that previous blind spot. Yeah. So... For those who don't, it's they're rationalizing even in that conversation, right? They're rationalizing, justifying, quantifying what's going on. Then there's that assertive individual, right? And uh, an assertive person can have that quiet confidence, but they're willing to ask tougher questions. They're willing to say, hold on just a second. Or to, to create dialogue and curiosity into different things without being attached to how they're being perceived? It's not being contra- it's not about being confrontational. Right. It's about being assertive and saying, okay, I, I hear what you're saying, but I need to ask some more questions. Back to your point, be curious, willing to be curious, willing to have somebody be annoyed that they would be questioning them and still be comfortable doing that. It's, you know, okay, I got it. I can agree to disagree with you. But here's my thoughts on why I 
I'm Perhaps. saying this. Yeah. We know somebody like that. We were talking about her the other night. She's very accomplished in the industry that she's accomplished and you want to go with her and then you go hang out with her and you want to have a conversation, but it's always comes back to you because she's, she's so, so good. She's at so asking good questions. at asking questions. And she's so smart. And she's smart and she's great at asking questions. <laughs> it's just not fair. And you cannot spin it around. You can't. No, there's get no place back to hide. To, no place to hide from her. <laughs> I love it though, because it does... It stirs up some cool stuff when it comes to, huh, maybe I'm wrong in my opinion or my thoughts around that. I really heard what she said and I, I'm seeing it from a different perspective. Yeah. So being assertive doesn't mean confrontational. It doesn't, doesn't mean, mean aggressive. Aggressive. It doesn't even mean a gregarious. It just means that you're assertive in terms of, no, I'm not going to take that for face value. You know, let's talk a little bit about more. But often you'll come back to, the, okay, I agree to disagree. Now, the next phase of this is, are you the challenger? And that's where you're assertive and you're willing to push back. And you can say, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not buying into this. Like, I, I get it. And here, but here's why. Here's a, but here's my perspective and here's why I think you're full of shit. Okay. And you're not, once again, not being confrontational. You're just saying, no, I'm going to challenge that narrative. I'm even going to challenge that thesis that you've got going on because I have information maybe that you don't have. So let me give you my perspective and then see what you think. Mm -hmm. And that particular person in the, in a, in a certain scenario, for example, if you, let's say you're in a room of 10 people at a boardroom table, you know, the pointy end of the spears at the front and, you know, Mr., I guess we'll, we'll call him Mr. Challenger, looks at the CEO and goes, dude, I get it, but I don't agree. You know, sales are this way because of that. You know, production is that way, accounting's that way, whatever opinion that they have, and this is what we need to do. And they actually are willing to put it on the table. And it could take a meeting off the rails. It could actually annoy the pointy end of the spear at the front of the and table. And the timid person and the other people, because they're probably all at the table too. Sure. Well, even, you never know. You know, the quiet confidence guy could be rolling his eyes or he could be going, yeah, you guys go, go. Say, keep saying stuff. Say, I can't say it. You say it. Right. So that could be happening there as well. But here's the thing about that. When people walk out of the room and they bugger off in their kind of different areas and they jump in a car together or they go to the, each other's office, they will look at that and they'll go, holy crap, that was intense. And uh, they may even think you're a bit of a weirdo or a shit disturber or, you know, you're causing ripples. Well, they're judging something for they're, sure. But here's the thing about it. You're being talked about. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, and maybe remembered. And remembered generally. And if you weren't, like if you weren't an asshole about it, they probably even at some degree appreciated it and, and maybe even respect the fact that you were willing to do that. That's a really good point. You know, when I look at it and I hear it from that perspective and it's, you know, hearing it through you explaining it and then trying to, you know, trying to try it on for myself. I think I've been all of those yeah, in have. my life. Yeah. I, just because I've been, you know, really hanging out with you a half your life. I know. I've had, I've been all of those. I've been all the way from timid, all the way to the annoying one. Exactly. So we have to consider these blocks that we have, these fears that we have, and ask ourselves, how did I come to that? And is it really true? Okay. Now I may be afraid of a snake because I got bit by a snake. Well, guess what? I'll just share a story with you quickly. I did get bit by a snake. It was a garter snake and it was about three feet long and it was a big snake. And I, my uncle pointed it out to me and I go to grab the snake because it's just a garter snake 
Carter snakes don't bite. He freaking bit me. <laughs> and and I mean, there was it didn't even break the skin. But the point is, is it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. And, you know, I guess probably I don't want to see any more snakes, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, not up, I'm not up for snakes. But I had that experience as opposed to somebody telling me that. Now, if somebody had a scary experience in the water, if somebody had a scary experience with a dog. Or how about flying? You know, people, some have rational or irrational fears of flying. Mine isn't of flying, mine's of crashing. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Okay. So then the final part of that nice guy syndrome is the, the other side of that, where you have the challenger that is also the pesterer. Right? That just doesn't read the room well. They don't read the room. Their blind spot is is that you know, you and guys just right. you guys just don't see how smart I am, how good an idea this is, how much money that you should be putting into this. And I've they, done all the research. And they're like a dog with a bone, right? They just keep coming back and keep coming back, and that is the pesterer. In some ways, though, just to put a pin in that, wouldn't you want a, a salesman to have some of that, or a saleswoman to have some of those qualities of the pesterer, the non-giving up person? Well, but. Because think of rejection and judgment. If if somebody doesn't have a thick skin and mm-hmm. they're in a sales position and they are like, okay, I need to call this person back because I found that there was an opening there for me. And <laughs> for me, I'd be like, I'd be click, hang up. So there's a, yes, that's true. But there's a fundamental breakdown of pestering, okay, okay where they're not reading the room. Now, a, a mutual friend of ours that we hung out with and he was, he sold... Uh, what we call it, natural pet foods, all natural, holistic, organic, no additives, no nothing. It was ridiculously, ridiculously expensive. It was a national organization that he sold for. And he was the top salesman literally in the country, not by a little, but by a lot. And it didn't take him very long. No, he achieved that in a very short period of time. Like I'm talking months, not years. And he was always the top performer. And when we talked about it, his belief was this. Number one, he believes so strongly in the product. He is so holistic his whole life. He's organic. He's like everything. He's a yoga master. He does it all. So he really, really got it nutritionally as well. And he's fanatical about his understanding of nutrition, not just for him as a human, but for animals. That was the first part of it. The second part of it is, is he had an, an unbelievable drive in that if he believed that you needed this product... Like you were a vet. I remember that. You were a vet, for example. And he believed so much in the product. He wouldn't, wasn't that he was trying to sell you something you didn't need. And that's where a pesterer can Got be. It. What he looked at and he said, and, and if somebody said no to him and he believed you needed and he believed it would be better for your business if you actually carried it and sold it. It's like he, his approach was this, oh, you just didn't understand me. You didn't, I didn't explain that very well. Let I, me try again. Let me, sh- let me tell you a different way. So his whole point was he took responsibility and said, you're just not understanding. Mm-hmm. And so he would come back at an approach. And did at some point it become pestering? Perhaps. But he, his ability to read the room or read the situation was good. The pesterer is not. Got it. Right? His is driven by ego and not really having respect for the client in that case, in mm-hmm. that sales scenario. Or not, yeah, not, you know, reacting to properly or authentically to the feedback he was getting. Got it. So, you know, to just kind of summarize what we've talked about as we wind this down is that when you look at how we're at the effect of the judgments and how we, our fears and our limitations are often because of other people's judgments of situations that we take on, 
and or our huge fear of that judgment of others in something that we're going to do. And of course, we've said this many times. I've said this many times in working with business owners and real estate investors. And I say, what's your greatest fear? And they go, fear of failure. And, and I 100% say, no, it's not. I know that to be true because I also know it's true for me. I've been through this experience and I've seen it too many times. Our fear is not a failure. That's the story we're telling ourselves. Our fear is of the judgment of others should we not accomplish what we say we're setting out to do. Yeah, and that's why many people don't share their goals. They don't share their goals. They don't want to. And, I, and I'm not even going to be critical of that, but as long as they're still trying, but lots of people don't even try. No, we have a culture right now of, of just don't put, don't stick your neck out there. Don't show up. Don't try. Cause if you're, you know, you are you're just going to fail. Well, there is a, there is a place of it, right. Where people go, it's just not worth it. Yeah. And, and you go, really? And so. But we're committed to growth and we're committed to maybe overcoming the things that are, we believe are our limitations. We're a couple of North side kids from Edmonton. Well, I guess you know? there's, a, there's a part of it too, right? Is that even doing this podcast and being on Zoom and being on stages over the years and doing, we're always being, putting ourselves out there for judgment. And I know not all people even agree with us or think we're cool or any of that. But listen, the people who align with our values do. They appreciate it. You know, the thousands of people that listen to this podcast, guess what? They align to some degree with what we're talking about, or at least they're interested in listening and they continue to listen. So thank you yeah, for thank listening. You. And what we didn't talk about was as we wind down, now, is there anything else we want to pack, unpack about this? No, I think it's good. I just really wanted to, to shine a light on just how damaging even just absorbing someone else's opinion or judgment and how we as maybe as adults, young adults and growing up are acting and operating on judgments that aren't even true anymore. So that's one of the things with the athletes is that the things that they could be afraid of in judgment, my goal is to offer a conversation to, to allow them to feel that all the way around, enter the fear, feel what it was like to be judged and know that they're still going to be okay or better than okay. And so as you, as you kind of work through this folks and kind of reflect on maybe some situations that you found yourself in, you know, really ask yourself, what is in my way? When you're stopping yourself from something going, what is the fear that I'm bumping up against? And is it real? And so question where you're at, why you're there and what you can do to maybe look at it from a different point of view. And to know that it's okay to be afraid. What's that line from back in the 70s? Feel the fear and do it anyway. We're all terrified. What I say to the players, the hockey players back in the day when I was with the Oilers, I'd say, just be the least scared guy in the room. We're all terrified of something. Mm -hmm. Just be the least scared. Put yourself out there. Take a risk. Take a shot. If it doesn't go in, take another one. But just be the least scared person in the room. Beautiful. Well, before we wind down. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> before we wind down, folks, uh, if... You're interested in having more of these types of conversations. Uh, Stephanie and I are launching our Mindset Matters webinar series. It's a three-month 
three-part kind of series where we get to go live with you. We have these kinds of conversations in a group setting where you get to have an opportunity to have conversations, get a little bit more intimate and uh, have a conversation with us in a smaller group, by the way, not a big group. It's uh, not a coaching program, by the way. It's not a coaching this program. This is a conversation. It's a mindset we matters program. We pick three program. topics and we, and we dive we into unpack it. unpack them and you have the opportunity to ask questions and get into it. And uh, generally small settings, by the way, it's 150 bucks for three months and you can register it's uh we do online sessions once a month for three months 149 or 150 bucks whatever it is and you can text if you're interested 587-333-8610 that's 587-333-8610 text the word register text the word register and it will take you to a, a login page and you can register. Gosh, so, I love technology. Yeah, I love it too. 587-333-8610. Would love to have you join us on the Mastermind Series. As always, if you've got some feedback, send us an email to ceo at raincanada.com, ceo at reincanada.com. And if you really like us, share this, like it, do all the things that we do so we can get our message out and get the message out and kind of create a community and a tribe that follow us. Stephanie, Thank you so much. That was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.